Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. All right, what's up, family? How y'all doing? All right, y'all look good. I know some of y'all smell good. Some of these students got some showers in. Well, we've been praying that way that they got some showers in. We're not sure about that. Um, man, the kingdom of God has been truly on display this weekend. Um, when I think about the, the scriptures and I think about how Jesus led his disciples, when they were going to the towns, they would find host homes and they would break meals together and spend time together. And then, I w- and then the disciples would not only do that, and these host homes would pray for the people. And so, man, let's just celebrate and give God a round of applause that we can come together as the body of Christ this weekend. Like you guys... You guys are living it out, and that's incredible. Again, uh, Joe, thank you so much for having us. It's a lot of work that goes into this weekend, and so I pray for heavenly rest and peace tonight for you and everybody else and all the other leaders. And so um, let, me, let me introduce my wife, Jasmine. She came down here with us this weekend, and here's a picture of her, but she's also in the front. So everybody wave and say hi, Jasmine. And so we actually met in like seventh grade. I know that's a long time ago. Well, it was back in the day, like we like to say when you get older, now I can use that. And so we met in seventh grade, and I know what you're thinking, parents. I already shared this with the students. Um, Maybe that uh, your student, if you have a middle school or high schooler, their significant other. You ever thought about that? Their future. And it was like, um, I'm not too sure about that. I don't know if I want to be with the other person that's in the room. And so we met in seventh grade. I won't get into all the details. Um, I was not the guy that her mom was probably praying for that we would be together. However, the grace of God goes above and beyond and meets us. And so this weekend, I really got the opportunity to just unpack and share my story. And I wish I could do that today. But for the sake of time, we're just going to jump through the text And so we've been talking about squad. We've been talking about what does it mean as the body of Christ to be this community, to be this family? Why did God create a family? So you and I know since the beginning of time, God is like, man, I am a triune God, which means I'm made of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I desire to have a family. I desire to have a people connected and unified. So the question we're asking is what is a squad. And so a squad, it is the people of God on mission for the glory of God. So you and I, we are the people of God. If you're taking notes, you can write that down or you can type it in your phone if you're one of those people. I love typing notes in my phone. It's okay. And so the people of God on mission for the glory of God. So what does that even mean? Sometimes that seems like foreign language. It, it seems like that's so so far out But what does that actually mean for us today? So you and I, we've been given this mission. And what is this mission? This mission is to display the grace of God to our neighbors. And I don't know about you, but I love action-packed, mission-type movies. And some of you in this room, you may be like James Bond fans. You may be Mission Impossible. I'm more of like a Born Identity fan. I don't know if you've seen those movies it's, uh, it's newer, and um, so I'm just in, more in that camp. However, 
all of these movies draws in because there's this character or this main person who has been given an, an mission or a call to fulfill. Well, that's you and I today as the body of Christ, the church. We have been given a mission to be God's disciples, to be God's people, to be the family, to live on mission, to pursue what the Messiah has already started for us, to be invited into this, to live this out, to live an inviting life, to invite others into the family of God. So the moment that all of us said yes to Christ, something radical began to happen in our hearts. The moment we said yes to him, there was this great exchange or this life change that our old nature, when we said yes to him, we now inherited a new nature. I thought you had some orange juice for me. I was, no? Coffee? No. So the moment we said yes to him, we inherited a new nature, which means our old nature, our own old sinful habits have now been done away with and thrown into the sea of God's forgotten memory. But here's the challenge for many of us. We, we begin to remember those old things and bring them up. And God is like, why are you doing this? Why do you continue to beat yourself up? So we no longer have to try to live a life for Christ. So the moment you said yes to him, what happened? He gave you a new spirit. The Holy Spirit now resides in us. And the Holy Spirit simply says to us, will you get out the way and let me have my way? And so we've been unpacking that this weekend, that these students two days ago, some of them Friday night raised their hand and says, man, I want to pursue this relationship with God. I want to walk with God. And in that moment, it was this beautiful reality that they have now come home and no longer running from God's gospel. So as we break down the text and study the text, we understand that the gospel goes from me to we, that the gospel is not just individual, but it's also corporate, it's this community, it's this family. So yes, we're saved, yes, yes, we are rescued from ourselves, from sin, death, and evil, but it's not just for ourselves, it's to be brought into the family of God. And you may be saying, like, where are you getting this from? And I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. And look at these words that Jesus departs with to his disciples. These are the words that we know as the Great Commission. And it says here, he's reminding them to go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Did he say a few nations? He said all nations. Now, I've done some little bit of studying in the past of some Hebrew and Greek. And this word here, all, means simply means all. Like in the English, it means everybody. Everybody in this room is included into this. Yes, I said everybody. That's a little translation. It means everybody in this room, okay? And so we've been baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he tells them to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you and remember that I am with you always and even to the end of age. So the body of Christ, wherever God roots us and plants us, should reflect the communities in which we live in. And so it was such a beautiful reminder this weekend when I t we share with the students, we said, look around the room. Is all nations not represented in this room? Right, from white to black to Latino to Puerto Rican. And I say, any of those other ethnic groups I miss, we love y'all too. But everybody is represented in the body of Christ. And so when we say all, we mean that all people have now been given and granted the opportunity to live as his disciples. So we don't just stay there. These relationships aren't just transactional, but they are to be lived out. 
And so let's go back and journey 2,000 years and look at these words from the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians chapter 4, we pick up in verses 1 through 6. But before we do that, all weekend we've been spending time walking through the book of Ephesians, starting with Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 3. And Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus because there's such a beautiful work that is going on in this city, but it's a very hard work, a very loving work. And so Paul is writing to the Jews who were the Jews. They were God's original uh, covenant people that God says, hey, you are my family. And then you have the Gentiles who weren't a part of the original covenant, but Jesus died for. That's when you say all people. So Jesus died for oh, or that or everybody. And so now the Jews are being invited to this family to now be. I mean, the Gentiles are now being invited to this family to now be one body in Christ. So Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 3, Paul has been working. In fact, when you study the ancient manuscripts and go back in time, you see that the Jews, when they went to the synagogues, their place to worship, that the Jews had one section, the Gentiles had another section, and they had a sign up that they couldn't go past a certain point, and then the women and children had another section. So even in this synagogue, it was divided, and in we're minded in Ephesians 2, 11 through 15, that Jesus tore down the dividing wall of hostility so that all Jews and Gentiles can be together. So Paul is here in Ephesians 4 reminding us of this beauty that we've been called to called the gospel. So he picks up in Ephesians 4 and he says this. I'm reading from the CSB translation. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, meaning I'm following after Jesus. He has my whole mind, heart, and soul. He's urging the church here. He says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. What is this calling? This calling is to live a life that is what we talked about this weekend, upward, that we love God completely. That is our first calling is always to gaze upward at God and start with God and say, how do I posture my heart to have a Christ centered heart. This calling is also inward. Because we love God completely, now we can begin to love ourselves correctly. And it doesn't just start there, stop there, that we take this call and say, how can I now go love my neighbors compassionately? So that is the calling that he has given the church today. He says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. And watch these next words. This is so important for us as we live out this work that God has called us to as disciples. He says, do this with all humility, meaning it's not about yourself, but all gentleness. So remember, he's trying to blend and remind them that they are now one group. And why is that? Because many of us, and I'll get to this in a second, we come with different cultural preferences or different perspectives of opinion. And he's saying, listen, y'all trying to live as one family is not going to become easy. But if you do it with humility, if you do it with gentleness, if you do it with patience, bearing one another in love. And he says these beautiful words right here, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So Paul knew that this was a challenging work, but he also knew that God is always up for the challenge and he invites us to take on that challenge. So this weekend, our students were reminded that they are now a part of the family, that they get to live this out. And it doesn't just stop at D-Now weekend. 
So this week we've been praying that as they go back to the lunchroom table on Monday, as they go back to their neighborhoods and even back to their homes, parents, that they will come back with more love and respect. And when when you ask them how they're doing, they'll simply say, you know what, I'm not having a good day. And hopefully that will lead to even a deeper conversation because our students have opened up so much. And students, we pray that it doesn't stop here, but it continues to go out. Now notice what else Paul says here in Ephesians 4. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Why is he reminding the church this in Ephesus? Because now... There's so many different teachings out there, but he's saying, listen, you guys are now one family. You all serve one risen king. You all have one spirit, one Lord, and you are now baptized into one family. And that is good news for all of us, that one God and father of all who is above all and through all and all. So all of us, everybody is a part of this family together. And so as we move along, I was just re, just blown away last night as we began to close our session and and we had a response song. And I just went to the back and was just observing what was happening in the room. And I looked up. I know it's probably hard to see and I don't even know his name, but he went up to his friends and he put his arm on one person's shoulder and he put his arm on another person's shoulder And it was a beautiful reminder for me this week as um, 51 years ago, we lost a great hero in our nation in Dr. Martin Luther King. And he had a dream that all God's people, black and white, Latino, Asian, would come together and sing songs and do life with each other. So when I looked at this image last night, I said it wasn't just Dr. Martin Luther King's dream, but it was God's dream the whole time. And it was the Apostle Paul. That's why he's writing this 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 letter to the church that listen. Together as a family, I bring my people back to be redeemed, to be restored. And here's a beautiful reminder on on what the kingdom looks like. You all know the text in Matthew 6 when Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven, that one day we will be in our resurrected bodies glorifying God together in the new heavens and new earth. However, on earth as it is in heaven, that we get a glimpse of a future reality, but also a present reality today, that we are a unified people And our students this weekend, man, we've seen such a beauty of what it means to be a unified people so we can be unified in diversity. So where do we get that from? You and I know that at the cross, we find the most level ground, that at the cross, we all come together. When Jesus spilled out his blood, there was this vertical reconciliation that we were now being called back into the family, being reconciled and redeemed to him. But it didn't stop there. It went to a horizontal that now me and my neighbor from different neighborhoods and different ethnic groups we now come together because at the foot of the cross we are all equal in God's eyes and also at the cross we find our identity when God restores us back to him we are now sons and daughters we are now his beloved we are now his chosen people we are now his royal priest in him and at the cross thank you brother at the cross we find our hope love and strength. So as our students have now been invited to pick up their crosses, they began to learn that, man, there's something in my heart that was separating me from God. But because of the cross, because because of his blood, I am now brought back to my rightful spiritual place in him. 
So what the cross does, it begins to just unpack and break open your heart. And we realize that this Jesus that we worship is a great physician who wants to do heart surgery. So our students, some of them began to cry maybe for the first time in response to God and, and just wondering, like, what's going on in my heart? And Jesus is like, man, I got you where you need to be. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to nurture your heart and I'm going to keep you in the community of God. And then at the cross, we learn to put down our preferences and pick up our crosses. So, again, we all come from different walks of life, different lifestyles. That shouldn't separate us anymore because the cross brings unity to our lives. And then at the cross, we find what's best for our local church, one another, and our community. That at the cross is when we first saw the light and the burdens of our heart rolled away. And what that means is, man, at that cross, there was beauty there was hope and there is redemption that we are always being invited to. And so in Revelation 5, 9, again, we see this future reality of what's to come, but a present reality that is here now right in our own community in Navasota, Texas. So John, he gets this revelation from God. And he's opening up the scrolls. He's in this, this great place. He receives this vision of what's to come for humanity. He receives this vision of what's to be for you and I, the local church. And he says here, and they sang a new song. He says, you are worthy to take the scroll, talking about Jesus, and to open his seals. Because Jesus, you were slaughtered. You were purchased. You purchased people for God by your blood. That we are now a blood-brought people. That is because of his blood. That atoning sacrifice. That he took our place. That it should have been us there. But he says, I love my people so much. I'm going to step in their place. Because I love them. It was his love that held him there for us. He says, you purchase people for God by your blood from every tribe. Every language. Every people group. And every nation. That is our present reality. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. That we no longer have to be separated in our own communities. We no longer have to be separated in our own schools. We no longer have to be separated in our own homes. Because we are a blood-brought people, unity has now come home. And Jesus has brought his family back. He has brought back his squad so that we can live out this good news every single day of our lives. We don't have to wait to a D now. We don't have to wait to a Sunday. But this is an everyday living that all of life is worship to us. And so we go into our soul tattoo. And our soul tattoo simply means... Jesus, what do you want us to tattoo on our souls this week? What action step do you want us to take as we hear this good news and we get invited to live it out? So here's our soul tattoo, family. Remember the blood of Jesus makes us one new squad. That the dividing wall that once was keeping us separated has now been torn down. The veil has been torn and Jesus has made his presence a reality. And then the second thing in our soul tattoo, what would it look like for you and I 
Students, what it would look like for you and I. Parents, what it would look like for you and I. Church, what would it look like for you and I to show the world what it means to continue to love Jesus in our jobs, at our schools, at the gym, at the coffee shop? What would it look like to notice all people? What would it look like to slow down and say, I see you? We are a people bought by his blood, which means we have been given hope and light. And so when I see a brother or a sister struggling, I cannot ignore it. The spirit of God has to move us to say, I see you. I, I love you. And I want to invite you to a good hope that we have that is rooted in the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so honored and humbled that you see us. God, we are so honored and humbled that you know us. Jesus, we are so honored and humbled that you love us. Jesus, we are so honored and humbled that you didn't give up on us. Some of us are in this room and we haven't been in a local church for a very long time, but you are reminding us today that there is a love that is extended out to us with your reach. And you say, hey, I see every single struggle that you've been carrying and holding inside. I see every single battle that you've been fighting. And God, you remind us that our battles, we don't have to fight in isolation because we have been given a squad, a community that you have provided for us to fight our battles together and with. And so, Jesus, we praise you for this weekend. God, your students These leaders, they know how much they are loved by you because you went to the cross on their place. You were disgraced to give them grace, a new life, a new opportunity in you. And so may we live out this hope. May we live out this call. And may you continue to go before us. And by faith, God, may we continue to follow in your footsteps through your spirit. May we continue to hear your voice. God, we trust you. We love you. We praise you. And all God's people say, amen. So we're going to go into a response time, an invitation time. Myself and some other leaders will be up front and Landon's going to sing a song. You can join in with us.